This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. Welcome everybody to Bumping Into. I am Francis Populin and on this episode of the show, we explore the world of AFL and the human mental experience behind the game. I'm joined by Damien Murdoch, who brings a unique perspective to the sport as a mindset coach who helps players overcome anxiety and mental barriers to achieve their best performance on and off the field. With years of experience working with elite athletes and beyond, Damien has become an expert in understanding the mindset and emotions that underpin success in sports and in life. Join us as we dive into the topic of anxiety, not only in sport, but also in life, and how to build resilience and mental toughness to thrive under pressure. Damien, how are you going? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. So what I thought we'd do is we'll start on, if we can, probably about how you got into this this field of work. I mean, I discovered you through the AFL Mind Coach. Um, yeah. So I, I follow that page being an AFL fan and being in, in interested in a lot of other sub things, you know, that that's a page that I always check and look at. So, yeah. so that was where I discovered you, but there's obviously a back end to, to how you came into this field. So I'd like to, I'd like to find out that story. Yeah. Okay. I, I basically got into the field because my mindset was so poor, basically. So I've been specialising in anxiety since about 2015, and that's because that's the problem I had to overcome. I had a pretty stressful business back in Victoria, and and one thing led to another and ended up, yeah, I had a bit of a meltdown and ended up with anxiety, major anxiety problem. I was getting panic attacks all the time. Do you know much about panic attacks? I, look, I know a little bit, and it's it's yeah. interesting because I've actually um, spoken to musicians, and and it, you'd be so surprised how many of them struggle yeah. with this. But yet, yep. stick them up on a stage, there's no problem. You Absolutely. take them off that environment, pluck them into a shopping center, and it, it can turn on them. And and it's so strange you wouldn't expect that high output, high confidence person that you see, you know, three foot above, um, to be to have those issues. Yeah, that's their comfort zone on stage. So that's where they're most comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah come, and it's I've it's interesting. That quite a bit. Yeah, that's that, well, I was surprised, and and I have also spoken to a, a guy or a couple of people, and they've said that it can almost become like a um, like a weak link. If you've if you've broken your wrist once before, you'll always have a sore wrist, and it'll come and play up at the at when it's cold, or if you've strained it. And and I've heard people say that if if you have anxiety, it's it's almost like that develops as a weak link that can go on you at any time yeah i yeah i would i would challenge that i think okay. it can be i can it can be healed so that's the journey i had to go on basically i was getting panic attacks every day and for people who don't know what a panic attack feels like the way the, the closest thing that i could relate it to is hold you put your head underwater for you know 45 seconds or whatever and you'll go into a panic and that's what it feels like, you know. You like know super emergency, life and death. Yeah, it's just like this voice just starts screaming at you. You hold your heart's beating out of your chest. You just go into this feeling of panic. And I was getting that. You, there's a story from Tom Boyd who, do you know him? He was the number one draft pick 
at the GWS Giants. Oh, okay. And he got he got transferred down, um, got traded down to Bulldogs for on a massive contract, but he retired by the by the age of twenty three because of anxiety. And he talks about it like he started getting anxious the day of games. Then he couldn't sleep the night before a game. Then it became he was getting anxious before training sessions. Then he couldn't sleep before training sessions. And his comfort zone just closed in and in. Um, so more and more was triggering his anxiety. And that's what happened to me, basically. It started off like a major fear of public speaking. And then it became any more than six people. And then it became I was starting to get these panic attacks ordering lunch. And then it became leaving the house. And it was pretty, yeah, it's a pretty torturous thing to go through. So that that was my history. I had to come back from that, basically. So, you know, I was seeing psychologists for you know, years and talking about it. And I was sort of expecting them to fix it for me, but that wasn't happening. And I realized that I had to sort it out myself. And so, you know, I went to uni and then I just did a heap of different things to that were outside the square, but just to learn about my nervous system basically and how it operates. You know, I did a course where they teach you how to jump out of a plane without any adrenaline response. So that was really important right. for me. Free diving was really important for me because with free diving you're down under the ocean um underwater without any tank and yeah. you get that like we were talking before you get that at about 45 seconds that self-talk starts and you know your body goes into everything changes your body goes into this panic but you've got to control the mind and then the body releases oxygen we've got a mammalian re- reflex you know where mammals like seals and whales and so on and when you're underwater, if you can just remain calm, your body releases oxygen from the liver and the spleen and you can stay down for... Uh, buys minutes. you more time. Buys you more time, buys you minutes. You know, we're no different. Whales can do it three hours. I think seals are like 20 minutes, dolphins 10. And it's amazing. Free diving, you walk in there in the morning and you think you can't stay under 45 seconds and you walk out later that afternoon and you've done four minutes. You know, it's it's quite incredible. So that was really important to me because it taught me about that self-talk, that panic, yeah. you know, because that's what's going on when you, you know, when you're lining up for goal or, or whatever's happening, whatever's causing you anxiety, whether it's public speaking or lining up for goal or, the, you know, that pre-game, pre-game nerves, that's that self-talk that starts, you know, you're, you're catastrophizing all the things that could possibly go wrong. Yeah, 100%. And with pre-diving, you sort of learn that, no, I'm in control of this. You sort of realize that, that's that voice that just starts, but you're actually the one that can actually just go, no, I'm not buying into that. I'm just going to stay calm. And then the 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 mammalian reflex happens and you you feel like you can live underwater. It's quite, yeah, it's quite incredible. See, that's interesting because it's been a um you've you've actually seen something that's proven to yourself that it works you know it's very easy for someone to say oh you should just think positive or just don't listen to them and it's like yeah i get the idea is great but when you've actually found something that you're like well i will show you if you do this and we do it properly this is what can happen and all of a sudden it opens up a whole level of self-belief and assurance that's right yeah and it's just a model for everything else so you know you realize that you actually are in control of the voice and you're, and you actually can, you know, calm yourself. Yeah. Um, and then you just, you take that to, to the rest of life. So, and the, and there's a thing too, when you're underwater and um, if you freak out, you know, you 
possibly die. So you listen, <laughs> you know what I mean? You take, yeah. you take it on board and you put it into practice. Like, and um, that's, yeah, that's really important. And the, the, I suppose, is it, is there particular things that make it worse? Is it a person that's um, over an overthinker or very analytical or, you know, um, if you if you own your own business, I mean, everything sits on your shoulders. At five o'clock, you just don't say to the boss, mate, I'm done. It's your problem. I'll be back tomorrow. Take it or leave it. You know, when it's all on your shoulders, is it is it a thing that you can say, oh, well, typically it's, yeah, it is people that care about what they do or how they're perceived or overthink things. Yeah, I would like what you're talking about there, I think is like, I would call that overwhelm, you know, in the, in the workplace. Yeah. So overwhelms when you're, you know, you've just got too many things swirling around in your head. And yeah. so then it's a matter of, you know, I, I look at when I was trying to heal myself, I, I always looked at people that were handling great pressure because at the at the time I couldn't even order lunch without, you know, having these panic attacks. So I started to look at people that were on the MCG, had to kick a pressure goal in front of 100,000 people, other people who, you know, risk their life every day, like US Navy SEALs, for example. Yeah. Um, combat you know and I, I love what Jocko Willink says he's he wrote a book called extreme ownership and he talks about how overwhelming it can be you know at war on the battlefield and so you know he explains how many different things are going on at once you know and it sort of that's comparable to a business you know when you're overwhelmed in business yeah he said, all you can do is prioritize and execute you know so that's the mantra that they use you know in US Navy SEALs so you can only do what you can do but it's just a matter of instead of all the all the different things, because it's crazy how, how much people have going on in their day. Like it never yeah. still amazes me what some people have to deal with. But if you take it out of your head and just prioritise it, you know, write a list, do whatever you, whatever you can do, and then just execute one thing after another. And, again, that's just your focus, what you're focused on. So that's what I would call overwhelm in that business sense. With anxiety, it's anxiety is by definition, it's taking your mind out into the future and imagining bad things happening, right? So that's that's what the sort of the structure of anxiety. Now, what what happens with um, you're asking sort of when when it happens? Anxiety starts basically when a belief that you have wired in your body gets triggered. So, say for example, um, Jack Rewald talks about he can tell within two seconds, whether someone's going to kick a goal when, you know, they get paid a free kick and it's a pressure kick. He can oh. tell within two seconds whether, they, whether they're whether they going to kick it. By reading the but, body language. Yeah, because a belief's been triggered there, right? Yeah. So they've either got a belief that they're born for that moment, and Jonathan Brown was a huge one for that. He, would just, he, he just had this self-belief in that situation. He's probably the best I've seen at that. So he had this self-belief that, you know, I was born for this, and he'd go back and kick it. Right, Jamie Elliott, you saw against Essendon last year. You know, when he got that, he didn't even look to pass it off. He had to kick a goal to win the game from 50 metres, and he just owned it because he believes that, you know, that's the belief that got triggered, that I'm I'm the best in this situation. For most of us, you know, you get a kick even 30 metres out straight in front. Darcy McPherson had one for the Suns on the weekend to win the game. And for a lot of us, it's a belief that we have that we're no good under pressure or yep. in under 13s, like, a you know, you might have missed one and a coach said something or a parent said something and you've made that decision now that... Oh, oh that's no glue. That sticks. 
Yeah. 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 And so when you're in that situation, your body hasn't got time for you to process that and think it through. Your body's got to react to what it perceives as a danger now. You know, that's your body, your nervous system sees that as something to be avoided. So it reacts with chemicals to put you into a panic state. It's that fight or flight freeze state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's anxiety. That's the first part, right? So whether it's, if you're getting anxiety around kicking for goal, what are your beliefs around your ability to kick to kick the goal, right? What are your beliefs around the way that you're going to be judged by other people, et cetera? If your beliefs are something around, um, around work, if you're getting anxious at work, what are your beliefs in that situation? What's actually getting triggered? Public speaking is a big one for, for most people, and that was huge for me. And it was like, what's your beliefs about yourself or the situation, the way you're going to get judged? You know, was it, again, was it something that happened in school where yeah. people laughed at you in class? What was it? What's, what's caused that to be programmed into your body now as a danger, something to be avoided? And that's not going to be an easy thing to fix, and especially because of those those programming uh, can take place probably in preteen or definitely through in the teens. Yeah. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're 30 and 40 and you're, you're sort of at the back of the room, not wanting to get involved. Yeah. So as, and as in those years, you know, from 14 to 30 or whatever it is, you've found more evidence to support your belief yeah. too, because you've yeah. already got that you put into situations, you might muck them up as well. And then you're just like, Oh, I see. I'm not a public speaker. I'm never doing that again. You know, and that's that's what happened with me basically. So it's um yeah, it gets tricky. The first thing that I do with people, and this is you know, sport or um, public speaking, whatever it is, is you know, I teach them about their nervous system so they're actually aware of what's going on in that moment because it's really confusing. Um, you know, you watch YouTube clips or whatever, and they just tell you to breathe, and you're just like, okay, breathe, but then yeah when the time comes, it's like you don't remember to do it and then it doesn't work and so you just throw that one out and that's what a lot of people say. It's like, just don't tell me to breathe, you know. I'm sick of hearing it, you know. So it's like with breathing, it is a big part of taking control of your nervous system. It's a huge, but it it's a piece of the puzzle, I believe, you know, whereas a lot of people are presenting it as the answer. What I would say is that if your self-talk and your focus is on everything that's going to go wrong, um, you know, breathing will switch you over to the rest and digest from that fight or flight that we're talking about. Okay. It, you know, it switches you back to rest and digest. But then if your self-talk and your focus is on everything going wrong again, it's going to just switch straight back. So you're not even, you see, it, it's a piece of the puzzle. It's like you've got to put it together with a few different things. So the first thing I do is teach people about that, about the nervous system. You know, what your nervous system is getting triggered. It's switching on, right? That's your fight or flight response. That's a system to stress. We've also got systems to de-stress, right? So we've got those wired into our body as well. Breathing is one of those. And so I teach people about that. Teach people about their self-talk, about their focus, you know, how to take control of your emotional state when you're actually in that emotional state or feeling yourself working up towards it, you know, and that happens, you know, leading into a football game or a speech or whatever it might be, job interview, um, teach people how to take charge of that emotional state. Yeah. Take, teach people um, how to, 
to interpret different situations as they're going through their day because, again, your body's responding to that with chemicals, you know, that self-talk when you're putting meaning on the different situations that you encounter during your day. Yeah. Uh, eventually, ultimately, you got to get to what is that belief that's getting triggered in the first place and change that. And once you get to that stage, everything changes. Yeah. And that's, and that's not a quick, easy road, is it, to get to there? It 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 can it, it took me a long time, but it can be a lot quicker than that. So it, it's like the first thing is to to identify what the beliefs are, and then you know decide whether you want to change them or not. And then you know I use NLP and hypnosis to actually make that change in the nervous system. And then it's a matter of getting out. It's like um, it's like an AFL play you know you can teach them how to play but it's not till they get onto the mcg that they know how know yeah. they know they're going to handle that situation so then you, you you put yourself get outside the comfort zone and you get that takes a bit of courage to actually put yourself you know with speaking for example public speaking you've got to actually go and put yourself in that situation and that's a gutsy thing to do yeah right. so um once you've done that you're you know toastmasters is a really good um, organization have you heard of that one i have heard of that yeah, yeah so what they yeah. do is they you know the first time you go there you, you just speak for 10 seconds then the next week it's 20 seconds then it's two minutes then it's four minutes so they're just putting you outside your comfort zone but then you realize okay i'll do do that i can do that right and then you do the next one and your comfort zone's just getting a little bit bigger yeah okay. as that's happening your, your nervous system is realizing that it's not a danger anymore Right, it doesn't need to respond in that way. So it's a matter of, you know, just keeping on showing that courage to put yourself in the in the situation. So, and do you find, for example, like uh, super confident players? I know uh, if you listen to to T uh, Tim Watson and Gary Lyon, that Tim's always giving him banter about how confident, overly confident Gary was as a player. Um, do do those people that that have that just an inherent born belief of themselves? I I even remember once Paul Keating um, spoke about uh, confidence, and yeah. how he could go into combat with anyone, and it was water off a duck's back. It didn't matter what dagger you threw at him; it didn't rattle him. And he brought it back to. He said, "I, I think it was because growing up every day, he had his his mom or his his grandmother just telling him." how good he was, that he was special, that he was going to be something. And John Mellencamp was the same. He said there wasn't a day that didn't go by for the first 30 years of my life that I didn't have my grandma telling me that I was special. And eventually you just believe it. When you have those overconfident people that seem bulletproof, do they, is there then something that's behind the scenes, off camera, off stage that does show up or are they just bulletproof across the board? It's. I think it varies. I mean, some people are really confident in one area of their life, and I think you talked about that earlier on, really. Like, you can be super confident on stage, but then really, like, in intimate situations or, you know, putting putting yourself um, in situations off stage, you haven't got that confidence. Yeah. You know? So it's belief systems uh, can be dependent you know on different different areas of life and then some people have just got really solid belief systems and um kurt fernley have you ever heard kurt yeah. fernley the paralympian yep, yep. marathoner he's yep. his book is just incredible the 
it, it's called Pushing the Limits, and it basically goes through his whole upbringing, you know, where he, he grew up in country New South Wales, and it was like a community effort. It wasn't just his family. It was a whole community. It just instilled this belief in him that he could do anything. Um, they didn't treat him like a disabled person. You know, he couldn't walk, so he'd be crawling around the, around the hills and so on. But he just got brought up with this ability, that this belief that I can do anything, and so his belief systems are really solid in all areas of of his life. Uh, I think with others, with other people, their belief systems have come from just being really good at that particular sport or whatever it might be, and so they're super confident with that. So you know, the lead coaches always talk about you build belief through evidence, and that's from just doing it time and time again. Yeah, and that's where you know you can do that on stage. You can be um, you know, on the MCG and 100,000 people and you hear about people like that, but then they go home and they've got depression or anxiety in, in other situations. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, you, yeah, for yeah, sure. It can, be, it, it can be dependent. You know, when you, you, you talk about things that can basically rattle your cage, like missing a yeah. goal, um, what happens then when you have a whole collective, like a whole team that is just down and week after week it's this just bloodbath of scoring against them. Do you? How do you work with that as a coach? How do you then turn around and say, "Well, it's not just John or Fred that's that's you know got doubt because he's he missed two kicks last week. It's the collective of us. We're not performing. I mean, that must be a massive task then to to try and lift. And even though the results aren't on the scoreboard, you've just got to go back out and keep going and going. Like Churchill says, when you're going through hell, you keep going. Keep going, yeah. Um, but that's got to be a lot harder to do than it is to say. Yeah, I mean, it's with that, it basically becomes about um, going, you know, little wins, really. Because when you, with testosterone and, you know, the chemicals in your body, any emotional state is just a bunch of chemicals, right? So it helps, I think, for for people to understand where that what causes the release of those chemicals, right? And so with um when you're getting beaten and the head goes down and so on, testosterone, you know, which gives you that powerful feeling, it goes down, right? But when you have a little win, it it, it lifts again, right? So and then you so you're just sort of aiming for for little wins. Alistair Clarkson talks about that all, all the time, like just little wins. Right. So you're looking for those. But I believe it really helps for guys to actually understand their nervous system in that situation. Like, you know, understanding that, like what I said, it's like your head's down, you're feeling crap, but that's just a bunch of chemicals. Right. So how do we change the chemicals that are getting released in the in the body? And you you can do that. You can take charge of that consciously. Right. So, yeah. But and that's that's self-talk is really important. So, you know, when you see, you know, a team might come out and they've built up for a game and they hang in there for a quarter and a half or two and a half quarters and then the other team gets on top and everyone drops their heads and you can see it across the across the oval, you know, they're walking back to the centre and they've all got their heads down and it's just that, what's that dialogue going through all those heads? You can almost guess it. You can yeah. almost read it just, right, so it's learning that that's even going on. Right, a lot of people like I didn't know till my late thirties that self talk was even a thing. I didn't realize I was having this conversation with myself. You know, that telling myself, but it's such a huge um, determining factor on your results, really. And oh, and if you get well, you get a whole team with their head down, caught up in that narrative, you know, it just it just spreads, and the 
the game gets away really quickly. So it's a matter of someone taking charge of that and turning it around, you know, like um... how to take charge of your emotional state. And you can do that with using your body, your body language. You can use that with your self-talk and also what you're focused on. And that's where, you know, all the, all the elite coaches talk about forgetting the scoreboard and just focusing on the next couple of minutes. What can we do right now? to kick the next goal and whatever that is in life, whatever the equivalent is, yeah. what can we do right now? Who do we need to be? What what do we characteristics, qualities do we need to show right now? And just focus on that rather than being at, you know, letting the um, scoreboard determine your state. You know, that's that's all the coaches talk about that. But everyone thinks they're talking cliches, but it's it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that was going to be one of the things I was going to ask you is, um, because a lot of that comes into philosophies like stoicism, um, Absolutely, you yeah. know, and, and even a lot of stuff Bruce Lee used to talk about um, where it's that remaining calm, be like water and, you know, what you're in control of, you control and don't worry about what you're not. Um, yeah. And it's amazing how that those things can be applied over and over and over to so many things Um from being on a sport field to being in business, to being just personal self-talk. Absolutely. And, and that's what I realized with the, you know, you talked about the page I do on Instagram with AFL coaches. I I realized, you know, as I was trying to get um to get better and try to find answers for myself, I I started watching, I, I found out what Paul Ruse, I heard what Paul Ruse was doing at Sydney. And so, you know, with the um, you know, visualization and meditation and all the mindset stuff, you know, that made up that blood's culture and I was really interested in that so I started watching his press conferences and then I started watching a few other coaches and what I realized is that they're saying the same things as the Stoics are saying and what spiritual gurus are saying they're just saying it in a different way so it's all the same stuff over the centuries you know and it's all that's a, a huge one of those is focusing on what you can control bringing it back to that because what we tend to do is like you look at the scoreboard you start to think about all the things that you've done wrong and, you know, in the course of the game and you start to think about what's going to happen later on when you lose, you got to start to think about whether you're going to get dropped next week and you're taking your mind off what actually is going to get the scoreboard back in your favour. And that's, yeah. you know, and so it all comes back to what am I in control of, of here? You know, forget the results. It, they all talk about that. Like Craig McRae at Collingwood, you know, and, and all those um, Brisbane Guys, I mean, there's four coaches in the top nine, I'd say, that played under Lee Matthews, and they all say the same thing. Like, Lee Matthews didn't once talk about outcomes, like winning the whole time he coached Brisbane. It was all about the behaviours, what actually creates the outcomes, and the focus is 100% there. And, you know, all the good coaches are, are talking like that now. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And, I mean, the, the change in Collingwood – um, has been massive. I mean, even people that don't like Collingwood are starting to want to win or, or at least not being too upset about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm a Collingwood fan. So it's, oh, it's so you understand. Of, yeah, it's been quite bizarre because like I've felt that hate over the years and we love it. But you get like some of my best mates are ringing and saying that they actually like watching us and like us now. But yeah, it's, um, there's, there's a lot to that. I think that hadn't, hasn't been written yet. Yeah, McRae's philosophies are just, um, they're just, they're getting results on the field, but I also believe that if the whole, if we all took those philosophies to life, that we'd all 
be a lot better, you know, because they all talk about how happy the Collingwood players are. And you, it, they remind me of the Richmond players. By, when, when they start, when they had that big run, they they just looked happy and content and calm. And it's yeah. got that same feel about it where it's not about the pressure. It's just about enjoying the moment. And that's what McRae does. He takes that pressure off, right? So he talks about being in discovery mode. There's, he's got this quote, talks about discovery mode where they don't know, you know, that takes away all expectations. They just, they don't know where the ceiling is. They're just trying to improve, you know, it talks about the growth mindset, just constant improvement, improving every every day. And he actually encourages them to make mistakes. Have you noticed that? Yeah. So, it, yeah. Well, so it's just this. Trying things without beating yourself up over it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just he said, we just want to be a team that has a go, right? Yeah. So that's that discovery mode. The opposite to that is what I call protection mode, right? So if you're living in fear of making mistakes, for example, you're going to, any situations like, say, a kick for goal, you know, a set shot for goal from 30 metres out or whatever it might be, that's going to trigger things in your nervous system, which the nervous system will then respond to that as a as a danger, like I was talking about before. So it's going to, it's going to trigger systems to protect you, that fight, flight, right? When that happens, you know, cortisol gets in the muscles, the muscles tighten up. And that's what, you know, commentators, when you hear, oh, he's tightened up, you know. Yeah, okay, so that's about that. And it's what we talk, it's what we call choking. That's when, you know, you're in your head worried about the result. Your mind's gone out into the future thinking about what might happen, the result of this. Yeah. And that creates that response in your body. Your your muscles tighten up. Now you can't execute the skills, right? So what McRae has done is totally the opposite of that. He, He has them playing with total adventure. Right. And so they, they even walk out on the ground. If you've seen them walk out, they walk out, you know, smiling, laughing, all that sort of thing. They're just playing with excitement yeah. rather than fear. And it's just a, um, it's a great analogy for life. I think if we all approach life like that with that discovery mode, just like forgot about the expectations on us, just see what's possible. Just have a go, you know, yeah. get outside your comfort zone and. It must be hard, I would think, from a coach's point of view, um, you know, if we if we use Richmond as an example, because at yeah. the moment they're under pressure and, and you know, the coach is going to, no matter his philosophy on what he wants the players to do, he's probably going to have some pressure from above that's going to be saying, well, what's going on? Or even the Suns, you know, I mean, there's going to be people saying, come on, what is going on here? And it would must be that um, very difficult for them to be like, well, I'll deal with that and I'll make sure that all of them don't know what I'm dealing with because that's that can't impact the message I'm putting forward. So even as a coach's point of view, themselves would have to be very, very mentally sharp and strong and dynamic to deal with one set of rays coming at you but project it differently when it you know comes off. Yeah, so it's a matter of... Um... You know, they always refer to it as outside noise, you know, and they don't, they're not in control of that, right? So if you buy into that, like it's what they, you know, they talk about being on the emotional roller coaster. That's what you're just going to ride that with the media and so on. So you're not in control of that. So again, it's coming back to what are we in control of here? And so all they can do really is look at what they did on the weekend. They have that three step review process. It's like, what did we do well? What can we improve? And then what what can we put into action to improve, right? And then they do that in a designated time. You know, it's their first session back after the game. And then once that's done, 
they don't dwell there. You know how a lot of us in society, you know, with depression and so on, we're all dwelling in the past, right? Yeah, definitely. So it's they don't dwell there. They just like get it done, you know, see what they can improve and they move on and they don't think about it. Then they focus forward on what they're in control of, which is preparing for the next week, right? So again, that's a model that we can we can all use in life, you know, and that's that's why I started that coach quote page is because it's like they're using principles and philosophies, you know, in football clubs and they're getting judged on them every week. So they can't afford to be talking crap. They just don't get away from it. There's, there's too many millions of us that are hang, hanging on every yeah. word thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're just, they, they use models and philosophies that work yeah. and we can put those into our own life really. And it's, it's going to help all of us because with depression, it's, you know, we're dwell- a lot of that is dwelling in the past, you know, regrets, mistakes that you've made, things that you wish had, had gone different, right? Yeah. So if you're going to do that, make sure it's in a designated time frame and then take a lesson from it and then forget about it and just focus on what you're in control of going forward. I, I, I very much like the way that you've said about you, basically you've got to understand the body's mechanics as to why things are happening. Um, because I often find that if you were to show someone how an engine in a car works, they're going to be far more likely to let it warm up before they turn the key and take off because they've yeah. now developed an understanding of what is occurring and, and the metal on metal contact and when it gets hot and when it's being pushed and how fast things are moving. And it would, you know, potentially completely change how someone drives or the level of respect they give that car once they understand the engineering behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great example because, um, my mates will laugh at this, but I, I'm famous for not knowing anything about cars. So I, I open the bonnet and I look at it and I just go, I've just got no idea what what's going on. Whereas, like you said, the mechanic knows that this leads to that and then that leads to that, right? Yeah. So that's what I basically do with the when I teach the nervous system. It's just like this, this happens, then that happens, then that happens, and I turn it into a system because that's yeah. what it is. It's like a chain of events that happens in the body that puts you into emotional state and then we act from that emotional state and we get our results, right? So when you understand that chain of events, like your analogy of the the car, then you can actually fix it. It gives you that power yourself, you know, so you're not, you're not just going along to doctors or psychologists or whoever it might be and hoping that they're going to fix you. You can actually take charge of it yourself. yourself That's what I realised that I had to do. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it, that's, something people should do because when you have a problem or you're looking for a solution, you should leave no stone unturned. Don't take one bit of advice. Don't take one set of tools, you know, take pleasure in, I'm going to keep digging until I hit what I want to find underground. Yeah. And that's what, it comes back to that discovery mode that I was telling you about with Craig, Craig McRae. It's just that, that mindset of discovery. Like, it's just like, what, what's, creating this why am I feeling like this you know because I think a lot of us and like my clients even tell me you know they were going along to psychologist office for example and they're expecting they're paying this money and they just expect that person to fix you it doesn't yeah. doesn't work like that you know it's like we've we've all been to doctors and so on you go in there and then they're just you're out and they're on to the next person you yeah. know what I mean it's yeah. just you you've got to take control of it yourself and that's what I realized yeah 100 percent too late you know and so I, yeah it's just started just got curious basically and have you had any experience or is there anything that you um talk about in terms of nutrition 
is that you know we, we know a lot about gut health now we know that about the you know the bacteria we know about that like the microbiomes uh, uh you know and um even mitochondria health in the cell and it's all impacted by nutrition and foods definitely to avoid um okay. but is that something as well that when you 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 got a person on board that you're saying to them look i want you to follow x diet or or take these bits of your food your diet away from you because they're going to be hindering where we're trying to get to okay so what i when i moved to queensland from victoria i went to uni and i did two and a half years of nutrition i did bachelor of health science nutrition naturopathy so i actually learned so i feel like i've got a fairly good understanding of it but i didn't finish that degree like i, I know quite a bit about nutrition but as far as the i, I still I, I don't feel like an expert in that because i went down once I discover more about the mindset path, I went down that path instead of the yeah. nutrition. So what I do with people is put them on to particular podcasts and books and that sort of thing where, where they can find that information. And with that, there's a podcast, um, Huberman Lab podcast. It's a new neuroscience professor from Stanford um, University in San Francisco. And he, yeah, he does a podcast that's getting quite massive now. And one of his podcast episodes deals with the nutrients, the supplements to take for anxiety. Yeah. Right. Say, so for okay. example, magnesiums can be quite important. Uh, Gabo is another one. Um, and then he talks about some others as well. So I will, I, I put people on to, to him, for example, um, and then like discuss it with them. But I don't claim to be an expert in that side of things, really. If it's a, uh, you know, a sports person or if it's a, any person, an office worker, a business owner, um, you know, even a, a, a parent, whoever it is, the first step then to to overcoming or dealing with this, they would make contact with yourself? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear from anyone, basically. And I've got, I think, a really good first step. I've got a webinar on the 22nd of May where I'll explain, you know, the basics of the nervous system you know, why why you get into the emotional states you do. And then I'll teach, I'll introduce some skills to actually take charge of that emotional state, right? And then um, then talk a bit about beliefs as well, you know, what's getting triggered there in the in the first place. So I'll actually give you some some tools that, that are going to help. Um, it's basically, this one's aimed at AFL footballers. So, you know, I do different programs for anxiety and, and emotional states, um, this one's actually aimed directly at football. So things like, you know, if you're getting nervous before games, if you're struggling with your goal kicking, like a lot of people are, like, yeah. you know, there's one guy, for example, I was talking to recently, he's kicked about a thousand goals. Like he's a full forward that's kicked a lot of goals, but he, he says, I'm not a, I, I'm not a good set shot at goal. Like the easy ones, he'd rather kick from 50 meters than 25 meters out straight in front. Wow. You know, he's like, go to jail. Yeah, it's quite incredible, but it's, it's clearly a mindset thing yeah. that's tripping him yeah. up but it's a lot of people and if you look at the you know even at afl level the amount of guys that just miss basic yes uh, yeah basic goals yeah. you know they're good I kicks know. of the footy but put the, put them in front of the, the sticks and it's completely different so I'll, yeah. I'll explain to people why that's why that's happening why you're tensing up or your legs go to jelly or whatever it might be so it's just you know that's an emotional state and I think too it would be beneficial for for the younger clubs as well. I mean, I, I my son plays in under thirteens, 
Um, and I saw a game on the weekend when I was watching them play. And the difference between kids that look for an opportunity and the ones that make an opportunity, and a lot of it is confidence and self-belief and the fear of doing something wrong. You know, you can see the way they go in and there's other kids that just railroad in. They don't care who's in the way. I want that ball. Mistake or success, I'm going after it with the same force. And other kids will pull back and they're on the outskirts and they're they're half present. And my advice to anyone you know, would be start young, sort anything out now create the bulletproof armored vest now so you can take that don't wait to be 30 and 40 and go oh i wish i had tried harder or realized this i think you know parents and clubs should be offering these sort of programs and saying look if you've got an issue with confidence with anxiety or self-worth or whatever it may be here's here's this just like they would recommend a nutritionist or anything else. I think it's an important part of building a skill set early. Would you agree that that would be beneficial to the, to the young age of, you know, the teenage? Yeah, absolutely. Like, cause that's when a lot of, you know, the things we we're talking about earlier where you're making decisions, you're, you're interpreting things, putting meaning on things that happen through the course of your day. You know, a teacher says something, a coach says something, a parent says something, an uncle, yeah. right? and you'll go, Oh, that means that I'm this. Yeah, right. you're making those decisions, and then that is now a belief that you carry yeah, definitely. to the future, and that's what that gets triggered. You know, when and especially at school, thing. schooling Absolutely. is huge. I mean, you know, if you grow up thinking you're a mediocre student, you'll very rarely become more than that, even if you do have the skill set. Yep, and that's that carries across everything. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's it's about um, you know what are those meanings that your teenagers are putting on things, you know, through the course of the day as it's happening, because it's a very confusing time. That's what, that's what happened to me. You know, I was a confident kid up to the age of 14 and there was just some things happened that I didn't interpret very well. And it, it created this, you know, lack of confidence and um, anxiety. And it sort of just got worse and worse. And it got to the point where it turned into a, a major problem. So doing learning it at, at teenage years is, is huge, you know, and the, the amount of clients, um, teenagers that have become clients has just gone through the roof the last couple of years actually wow and yeah. is there a package that is more dedicated to sporting young young sporting clubs is that i mean is it a thing that you know a local team can come to you and say you know we want to offer this to our kids be it on the projector in the clubhouse or be it um you know that johnny can log in himself and and watch the videos or have a one-on-one -on -one. is that is that something that you've developed up into a package for that yet it is. So I'm starting a program on the on May 29th, which is aimed at footballers, right? And that's okay. um, that's teaching people all the things that we're talking about here, you know, about your nervous system, how to take control of it, and then applying it, you know, and then you come back, it goes for eight weeks. Right, right? okay. So that's going to be on Mondays. Um, there's also one-on-one. -on -one, so I'll take people through a program one-on-one. -on -one. And, yeah, I'm also doing clubs as well. So, yeah, oh, I've got a great. studio here which I can – you know, I can do Zoom calls straight into the the club rooms. So that's an option as well. Yep. Um, and another another option too is that even if you've got, even if your whole club is not interested in it, but you get a group of like three, four, five, six, seven, whatever it might be from that team yep. and I can do up a, a program for for that small that group. group and the parents yeah. are in all coordinated that yeah and and I think that's a great idea I think that's something especially if if the kid loves it or wants to make a career of it I think that's a perfect idea yeah. to do that 
Yeah, and with teams, it can make like just a, a group, you know, like it, you've got a team of 22. If you can get even three, four, five people from that team yeah. working on their mindset, turning things around so that, you know, when you talk, the things we were talking about earlier, you know, where the team, the opposition gets on top and everyone drops their heads. Yeah. If you've got a group of four or five that are able to turn that around, that can have that situation around. You, that can have a huge bearing on the Game results changing. going forward. Yeah, because with... With humans, like the most experience, the most important thing for us is to fit in. Like that's you know, it's that connection. So people will actually uh, prioritize that safety in the group over you know improving, right? So they'll actually drop to the level of the the team around them, yeah. or they can rise to the level of the team around them. So even if you get like five people from a team who lifts that bar. It brings the rest of the the group along for the ride as well. So it's just a, it's an opportunity yeah. um, for that. You know, even if it's a small group of of mates or whatever it might be that they're all interested in. Because a lot of people, a lot of young people, it would surprise a lot of people. I think how interested young guys are, or young um, people are in this. I will put a link on um, bumpinginto.com.au for this episode, which will have all the links to yourself and your programs. But if people are just listening, where is it that they're the best place to go to find you? Okay, so we'll put a link in the in the show notes for that webinar so you can register for that webinar um, on May 22nd. And then I've got on Facebook, I've got a page, Damien Murdoch Mindset Coach. And then on Instagram is the one that you found me on, the AFL Mind Coach. Right. And then my, my website is worldclassfriend.com. Um, and that's basically um, anxiety. So, you know, I specialize in anxiety and the okay. website's about that. So, oh, but that's, that's where a lot of people find me for football anyway, because they're actually looking at dealing with their anxiety around the game. Thanks, Thanks, Dave, Thanks really mate. I'll it. see you very soon. Okay. Cheers, okay. mate. Thanks, everyone, for sticking to the end of the show. If you did enjoy the show, head over to bumpinginto.com.au where you will find uh, the episode page. Click on the link for that. It will bring up all the information about this episode, links to further information, links to Damien's uh, social media sites and his own website, ways that you can contact him. While you're there, feel free to look at any other episodes as well. Once again, thanks for making it to the end. I appreciate your listening and I will be working on a couple of more episodes to get them out to you as soon as I can. I'll speak to you on the next one.